in. Welcome. This is a sound purchase with me, Halifax Hospital Radio's Barry Peters. The lads are going to be on very shortly, young Stefan and young Jake. So keep it locked. None of your shit, only your proper songs. This is a sound purchase, a podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. Episode 29, Brainiac's Hissing Prigs in Static Cure. So, have you seen <laughs> the Justice League? <laughs> Smooth. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, can you tell we've been doing this for nearly a year? Oh, I know, I know. And it, it literally is. I think it, it was, it, no, it wasn't. It was more around May, I think. It was May, I think, yeah. that we, because we talked about it. For ages. We talked about while. doing all sorts of different types, yeah. Yeah. And here we are, episode 29. And some bonus ones. Smooth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we need to talk about bonus ones. Remind me at the end. Remind me at the end. Right, so, yeah. Yeah, it's Snyder Cut then. Have I seen Snyder Cut? Yes, I have. All four hours. To be, to be fair, three hours and 50 minutes. Okay, so that's that's fine. That's, yeah, yeah. Is that including the credits? Yeah, j- yeah, yeah. Just oh, a, okay. a fraction less self-controlled than Peter Jackson. I'm sure Peter Jackson's got a longer cut out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, spoiler alert, because we, we talked to Sam from the Phoenix Foundation, Samuel Flintscott, and we talked about briefly about the Beatles project that Peter Jackson is doing. Sir Peter Jackson, I'll have you know. Sir PDJ. Yeah. So PDJ from Pukarua Bay, there you go, it rhymes, it's very beautiful. <laughs> okay, he said something in there, and I mean, you'll have to listen to this if you're a friend of the show, listen to the full interview, which will be available when the next episode drops. But he said something like, I'm not sure if Peter Jackson has the self-control to do a decent Beatles documentary. And I'm, I'm sitting here and that kind of sums up the Snyder Cut. Self-control, I think there's a lot of fat that could have been trimmed. I reckon you could take a good hour out of that. But that's not what people wanted. People wanted the no, I know, full. Oh uh, man! Like so, to to sum it up, the best way that I've heard this put is the way that I actually put it in my own review of it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, you know, you know yeah. that's not arrogant at all. <laughs> I was so hell-bent on that joke that I've forgotten what I actually was going to say. <laughs> Get your review up. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't posted Quite it yourself. anywhere. It writes a lot of the wrongs of the theatrical release. Right. That's, that's how I could best sum it up. You know, is a lot of it you're, you're re-watching the same scenes. So it's not like it's all entirely never been seen before sort of thing. Yeah. Did you see the theatrical cut? No. Okay. God, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did. And I I didn't mind it, but it just it didn't seem very coherent. It seemed to, you know, there was a massive long dark scene and then all of a sudden this really kind of happy go lucky. It's like cutting in to the dark night clips of Batman 66 and going, "No, it's the same film, I promise." Right? <laughs> that was the theatrical cut, and I'm not. I'm not dissing anybody there. That's just so that's how what happened. He'd, he'd get to rescue Rachel, but it's actually Harvey. But then it cuts to him with running away with the bomb. Exactly. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then he'd throw it, and where it would land, it would then blow Rachel up. Yes. Is that that the kind of thing that would happen? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Right. So no, it was 
it was good. It just righted a lot of the wrongs. There was a lot of kind of forced sexuality, shall we say, in the in the justice cut, the theatrical justice version. Cut. Yeah, where um, <laughs> you know uh, Wonder Woman falls, and then all of a sudden the Flash falls, kind of face first into her breasts. Hang on, sort of Joss thing. Whedon being a weird, creepy sex man. I know, never, I know. No, no, never. I, I said I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not blaming anybody. That it just it became overly sexualized with these little bits and they tried to weave it into the Wonder Woman story and it just I don't know it didn't seem coherent but this the Zack Snyder version even though it is close to four hours long was way more coherent and some of the scenes that they didn't have were just epic beyond all kind of I'm sitting in the living room with my my son's watching like the wiggles or something on telly and I'm watching this sneakily on my phone with headphones and all of a sudden I'm sitting there going what the f-? <laughs> yeah yeah nice yeah I think this is a conversation that we'll need to have you know at the pub when the pub is open yeah that's, sort of thing, that's when fair. it's safe to do so because I need to I need to pick your brain on a lot of this stuff have you booked a table for a pub yet? No, I'm not mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not an alcoholic and I'm not mad. I wouldn't be able to tell you the last time I had a drink. Really? That's, that's how that's how bad it's getting, this COVID thing. Fair enough though. But I'm yeah. like the inverse alcoholic. Teetotaler. Almost, yeah. That, that should be a superhero. Just going around all Chippy. the pubs. Yeah. Chucking bags of tea at people. Anyway. Moving on swiftly to, uh, I want you to cast your mind back. We're moving on to the past. It's 1996. How old were you in 96? (laughs) Four. Four. Yeah, Yeah, I was was five for most of 1996. I was jamming um, up to a cassette tape of What's the Story Morning Glory, though. (laughs) Don't really think I was that fussed about music when I was five or six, to be honest with you. Mm. I was much more interested in... Like cartoons and, <laughs> like, well, and Batman the animated series. Or, yeah, pretty. Speaking much, of Batman, yeah. should we go back Speaking to the Batman. Justice League? <laughs> no, no. Ah, <laughs> oh, crumbs. Right, okay. no All more right. Justice League. Okay, okay. No more. Uh, and right, Brainiac. We're here to talk about the band Brainiac. Speaking not of Brainiac, the DC. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that he's a DC supervillain? Uh Yes, yes, I did. I mean, he wasn't in Justice League. Speaking he, of, he wasn't in Justice League, and yeah. I don't know how good a villain he really is. I I've, don't don't know a massive amount about Brainiac, to be honest mm. with you. He mm. was in, he was the bad guy in Injustice Two. Oh, I never played it. Oh, it was like Injustice One, but with a different story. Never played um, it. A few different characters. Basically, taken. It's, no, Mortal Kombat. It's made by the same guys that make Mortal Kombat. Yeah, but I don't really know Mortal Kombat. I know Tekken. So. It's not very much like Tekken. Tekken's more of a 2.5D thing, so you can do the, the sidestepping, can't you? Whereas Mortal Kombat's completely 2D. Anyway. Oh, okay. I see. Brainiac, the band. They had some albums. So I don't, I don't actually know a lot about Brainiac, the band, either, to be honest with you. I sort of um, discovered them on a train journey up to Sheffield in 2019. Uh, on my way to play a gig slash celebrate a birthday. I had one of those uh, Spotify daily mix playlists on because I couldn't think of what to listen to. And there's usually something pretty good on there. Mm. And the song Vincent Come On Down came on. All right. And I was like, wow, man, this is good. Who's this? And it was Brainiac. And then I listened to the album 
and obviously I'm it's right it, it's very me that album it is uh, <laughs> lots of yeah. angular dissonant noises and <laughs> nasty sounding guitars yeah um, so I was just like right this is brilliant excellent I'm new album to listen to great new band so that was that was how I discovered Brainiac and that's really all I know about them but I did get a, a bit of history from the sum of all human knowledge that's right it's our it's our Brainiac. boy Wikipedia oh yeah no, Brainiac is... No, no. Before I delve into a brief history of Brainiac, mm. any experience with Brainiac before I'd told you about Brainiac or no? Well, like I was saying off the mic, my first experience with Brainiac came through Smallville when he showed up as a villain around like season four, season five-ish. I knew this was going to happen. I just Visible didn't think it would anger. be this annoying. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, I'd, I think I'd seen the cover once or twice, the uh, the album cover. Yeah, I, I actually I agree. I think yeah. I've seen the the I've seen the cover yeah. in record stores and things like that before. But no, I, I think I was messaging you. you through the week asking if you'd played this for me before. But I, I what, don't know if I have. I was thinking I like when we were doing those kind of uh, GTA sessions and so on at and the flat when we were living together. Oh Lord, no, yeah, no, yeah. I hadn't heard about yeah. them by then. Um, yeah, it was literally like two years ago. Mm. Not even. So Not even no, I, I I had never heard of them. I have a. Like just a vague feeling that I'd seen the cover before, mm. you know. But yeah, yeah. So Stefan's going in relatively blind, as always. As always, yep. as you know, Stefan notoriously lax with his notes. And uh... well, the whole idea of this is that you're <laughs> introducing me to music, and I'm introducing you to music. Yeah, exactly. And then you, and just... then we're deciding is it yeah. worth buying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you if you don't know that concept by now, uh, dear listener. Get your act together. Mm. Brainiac. Mm. They formed in Dayton, Ohio in 1992. Original lineup consisting of vocalist, guitar, and general key guy Tim Taylor. Bassist Mono Stereo. Sorry, real name Tim pa- Taylor. Tim the Tall Tim- Man Taylor. Yes, Tim the Tall uh-huh. Man Taylor. <laughs> that one's for my home improvement fans out there. If, uh, uh, if we're still a fans of Tim Allen, I'm not sure. I don't. Has anything bad come out about him? I don't know. He's I don't been, care. Yeah, yeah. He's been <laughs> just, politically active recently. Ah, be, yeah. fair enough. Mm. Uh, yeah, bassist okay. Mono Stereo, real name Juan Monasterio. I, I, so Monasterio becomes yeah. Mono Stereo. Good I name. prefer Good the, name. the pseudonym. I like that. Guitarist Michelle Bodine, Bodine, Bodin, Michelle, and drummer. We we won't talk about Michelle much because. Um, they, they sacked her off after the first album and replaced her with John Schmerzel. Schmerzel. It's a good name. It's quite nice to say. And uh, <laughs> drummer Tyler Trent. So I so said after their first album, Smack Bunny Baby, they uh, got Schmerzel. So see if you say it, it's, it's a great word. Schmerzel. Yeah. yeah. Good to say. Yeah. Schmerzel in for two more albums, 1994's Bonsai Superstar, which is a... <laughs> Absolutely brilliant name for an album. I was thinking the <laughs> same thing, yeah. Uh, and, of course, this one, Hissing Prigs in Static Kucha. Is that how you say it? I'm not, I don't, don't know French words. Yeah. Of Sadly, Tim Taylor was killed in a car accident in 1997 during pre-production for their fourth album. And was it Wilson? Disbanded. It was Wilson. <laughs> Ran him yeah. down behind the fence, yeah. Yeah. His car is just a fence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I'm sorry. That was very inappropriate. I mean, it's been some time. Tim Taylor doesn't mind, let's be honest. He's, he's not going to get offended yeah. by it. Fair enough. So, yeah, that's that's about as much as I know about them. Thank you, Wikipedia. I will donate some money to you next time you ask for the services that you bring. So today we're sponsoring yeah. Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, we're not sponsored by Zack Snyder's Justice League or Home no. Improvement. <laughs> no, no. no. I, I haven't got much else to add, actually, to the context of it all. Other than producers for this album? Oh, crumbs. I did not write that down. That's Obviously, okay. Steve Albini did one song. Yeah. And a- Eli Janney. Who I'm not familiar with. No, I don't know much of uh, Eli's Steve, work. Steve Albini is an interesting one because depending on who you ask, he's either like the best producer ever or a total trash man. Yeah. <laughs> you either like Shellac or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was speaking to someone, like, well, his approach is just put all of the microphones in a room. Like, any idiot can just put all of a mic- the microphones in a room and then pick the ones that sound good. It's like random placement. You're going to get something. It actually I- takes skill to get, like, three or four microphones yeah. and make something sound good, you know. Well, do you know when I, I got a bit of respect for Steve? Watching the Foo Fighters' Sonic Highways, they record the first song in Steve Albini's studio. Mm. Yeah. And... Respect to him for a couple of reasons. One, he wears a jumpsuit to work every day because he feels like he's a worker, like a factory worker. So he's in like overalls. Love it. (laughs) It's very meta, very kind of like method. Two, he keeps the studio afloat not by recording bands but by playing online poker. And three, (laughs) this this is where I think he actually becomes like really credible as a producer. He has a room or he had a room built at the studio that has like an empty room beneath it and little holes in the floor around the edge. So it's almost like the the floor in this room is on like a floating platform, just tiny, teeny little gaps. But what that does is that sends all the bass frequencies down into the extra chamber only to come back up, which improves the, the bass response apparently. And I was just like, okay, we're thinking on a very different level here. You know, of like that's that's awesome. I love that sort of stuff in music. That's quite a proper old school approach to doing it as well, isn't it? Really, yeah. it's just oh, we need a we need a reverb. All right, well, put a mic at this end of a long empty room and a yeah. speaker at this end of a long empty yeah. room, and there you go, reverb, exactly. baby. Yeah, but it's, uh, that's the thing we've talked about. Um, we've talked about the stone room at the Townhouse Studios. Mm. Can't remember oh for the Midnight Oil album. You know, and it's things like that that I like where people are just experimenting with the different sounds. You know, I think that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Anyway. Something I something I've actually wanted to be wanted to try out. You can make a uh, plate reverb using an IKEA table, a metal IKEA table, mm. an inducer, and a pickup, like a, a piezo pickup. Oh. Basically you just sand all the paint off the off this metal table, mm. suspend it, produce a sound, pick up the sound, boom. Plate reverb, they're like really cheap. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm just too lazy to to actually get around to doing it. Yeah, I mean, I desperately need to change uh, the strings on my Strat because I need to like oil up the neck and stuff. I can see the fretboard's getting a bit uh, a, a bit I re- dry. Restrung my um, my classical guitar for the first time ever the other day, Ooh. and man, it was a right bastard. And mm. um, because the tuning pegs. They need um, 
replacing, I think. I think they're just old and knackered. Well, you're and trying no to get out some WD-40 packer. is... Uh, no, it's just it's been sat there with like three strings on it for ages. And I was like, you know what? Let's restring it yeah. and play some guitar. Last thing before we really bore all the listeners with... Oh, nice. Behold, a rarer sight you've never seen. A uh, pack yeah. of bass strings. Long scale, <laughs> I checked. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> Did you see that um, Kurt Mangan is doing nine and a half TPS strings now? I knew they were doing TPS strings. Yeah, no, so now they're doing nine and a half gauge. What difference does a half a gauge make? It's like, no, you've got to ask Mick, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to try Mick. it because why not? I like to give people money. <laughs> Just, I mean, nine, yeah. I mean, using nines, using tens, I find to be a little bit too whittly, to be honest with you. Like, I, I, if I get tens, it's always like the beefy tens, where it's like 10 to 52. Speaking of, 10, 10 to 50. I, yeah, I like, but I've got a strat, so it works. I like I like the twiddly kind of strat sound. Fair on, enough. On humbuckers, I'm much more, I think I'm on 11s or 13s or something. Yeah. Might be 12s. Well, my my strap because it's cheap and the um, I need to get new springs for the uh, tremolo because oh, yeah. um, because it's cheap and rubbish and I've jacked them as far back as they go. But if I put tens on there, the bridge starts to yeah. do uh, the raise up things. So I have to put nines on it, otherwise you can't rest your hand on the bridge because you just get automatic warble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is quite cool if that's what you want, but um, when yeah. you don't want that, it's it's a pain in the, in the bottom. Speaking of pains in the bottoms and yes. uh, keeping studios afloat, spy. All of that out. <laughs> Depends. If it was interesting, Paul, keep it in. If it wasn't, um, they'll never yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Speaking of keeping uh, studios afloat with poker, mm. track one, Indian poker. And we've oh, gone right in. Wow, right in so good. to the 90s micro track at 52 seconds long. Can I, yeah, can I interrupt you though? Because I don't know if it is Indian poker or one in D, one. A N P O K three R, part three, part part B, isn't it? I don't know. Anyway, part yeah. Three. What's up with um, the the track titles? This this annoys and well, confuses me. It was it's kind of like was there being quirky thing. This was before the internet was big. It was before Leet Speak became a thing, and it became a bit of a kind of you're a bit of a knob if you write like this. <laughs> kind of like text speak. Yeah, a bit like yeah. that, but this, um, but this was I'm before the thing. I'm very anti people that write and just I think, you. I feel like they had like a, oh, we're trying to be like computer men, hence like all of the effects that they have on their voices quite a lot and the okay. the glitched out guitars that you get sometimes and all of the really spitty fuzz, mm. which is what you get on this. You get like the spittiest, fuzziest guitar or it, it might even be a um, a Moog because he uses a Moog quite a, quite a lot. Sorry, a Moog. Let's not Bob go down that rabbit hole again. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Moog, that sounds right. It sounds better than Bob Moog. But as a brand of Sims, yeah. Moog sounds stupid. <laughs> and it's so, the Mooga so Fuga. It's the it? Mooga yeah. Fuga pedal, not yeah. the Moga Fuga or the Moga Fuga. What's the that? Moga Fuga. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's the, the Moga Fuga. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's the Moga Fuga, man. So basically, yeah. fuck off, Bob Moog. It's Moog. <laughs> You're Bob Moog. They are moogs. It's like the guy who invented GIFs, calling them GIFs. No, they're GIFs. Blech. 
Anyway, yeah, so I I'm, wasn't sure if it was a guitar or a, or a Moog because it's so fizzy and so spitty and fuzzy. Yeah. It's just like nasty. And then you obviously get a bit more traditional distorted guitar coming in as well. And then you get the bass and the drums coming in and a really surprisingly soft vocal. <laughs> Okay, I'm so glad you said that. It's like, yeah. You've got yeah. all this nastiness going on. It's just yeah. like... Yeah, da, 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 da. I got three notes, Jake. Noise is number one. <laughs> I love the kind of halftime groove that they go into. It actually strengthens up this song for me. Rather, if they like double-timed it or something, I'd, I just don't think yeah. it would be quite as quite as good. But yeah, the vocals buried in the background is actually... Quite a nice contrast to the really harsh and I'm going to use this word a lot probably and I need to think of some synonyms, but angular guitars. Mm. It's quite nice to have that contrast of soft and very sweet vocals in the background. That was what first caught my ear and made me sit up and kind of go, that's interesting. There's a a few comparisons I make in this album to to a couple of different bands. Some of them are going to be quite obvious. One of the ones for this one, and it was one of the other ones, very granddaddy, I thought. Very, because that's something obviously he does quite a lot is having, well, sometimes he has quite heavier, heavy sounding stuff, but it's all Mm. done in a way where it doesn't sound Mm. heavy. Not overwhelming. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, this this song is literally three three phrases round, 52 seconds, boom. Done. Next song. That's one song in the bag. <laughs> Done. You know, yeah. I mean, this album's thirteen songs. It's only thirty-six minutes. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit. So I'm I'm going through and I'm I'm taking my notes and I'm thinking, crikey, that that was a, that was a short song. <laughs> the next one, like, the long, they're the coming longest... through and it's like, okay, I got four songs to go, and then about ten minutes later, it's like, oh my god, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, there's only one song that's longer than four minutes. Everything else is like the the next longest one is like three minutes fifty or something like that. Yeah, that's good going. Yeah, yeah. So you know, makes it nice and easy to get through to make your notes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, pussyfooting track two or P U five five Y F O T T one N apostrophe. Apostrophe. So strong Pixies vibes in this one. Mm. Very strong. And I've, and that's something that comes up quite a lot, particularly with the vocals in a lot of this album. Mm. It's, it's, I think Frank Black was probably quite a big influence on how he decided to deliver his vocals. Yeah. So we start very brief running with the guitars and bass doing their... Uh, and then boom, straight in with Put your some face powerful, on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the tank, yeah. powerful lyrics. Yeah, I don't really know what it means, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's and straight once again, straight in with that Frank Black falsetto-y shout. Put your face on. It's not really a scream. It's not really singing. It's it's just like a a shout. Well, do you remember when I said like it was nice having that contrast between the music and the nice soft vocal? Yeah, that's it's gone, gone now. baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's completely gone. Um, yeah. The delivery is certainly a choice. I wrote. Yes, yeah, yes. I, I think it was. I think it was very deliberately done. 
mm. in that way. Mm. You know, I think he probably tried a few things out and he's like, nah, fuck it, this is the way to go. Groovy is, Groovy is, oh, uh, man, yeah. Anything though, isn't it? That, uh, the, I, I, I gotta say, the guitar work on this album is just, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Like, uh, Schmerzel, you're yeah. done good. Yeah, yeah, um, Schmerzel. Schmerzel. Yeah. And obviously, Tim Taylor played guitar as well. Yeah, yeah. I see. It's, it's like constantly. I think they kept the panning for each of them the same as well. So exactly. Schmerzel's always on the left, and Taylor's always on the right, sort of yeah. thing. More, more of that coming up later because, uh, yeah, I'll talk. I'll talk a bit about their guitar playing on the later track. Yeah. But I did put great panning on the guitars. Yeah, I mean, quite reserved drumming though throughout this one, which I think it needs to be because mm. those guitars are very abrasive, and if you had lots of cymbals going on, they'd they'd get lost. Yeah, really reserved drumming. Gives them the space to be as nice as they need to be. Chorus comes in and out of nowhere, you've got the Alabama Free apparently doing the vocals. Like that really, really low... Uh, it's oh. not the Alabama Free, but it right. sounds I, like... I, sorry, yeah, yeah. I got you. The, the kind of... Baby, baby, why, baby, baby, yeah, why? Yeah, that bit, and just the vocal in general. Just cottoned on to what you were saying. But yeah, basically, guitars just continually blasting you throughout with noise throughout the chorus. You get the weird froggy-voiced baby, baby, wise, rinse and repeat. There's a formula to this album, and it's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, middle eight, chorus. 32-bar structure. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you might get a solo you might not get a solo if you can call them solos. Mm. Some of them are very, uh, some of it's just like, right, we're just going to go up chromatically. Yeah. Modern <laughs> you know? art. Yeah. 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 Bridge. You get a nice heavy bridge. I like the bridge. It opens up the song. The bridge. It does open up the song. Yeah. I think it, it's almost a relief because they're still quite heavy, but they're just blasting out chords rather than mm. doing lots of interplay. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. never they never usually play the same thing, the guitars. They're always doing something no. slightly off from each other. I think that's brilliant. Um, Which is brilliant. Again, I'll come back to that later in my notes, but yeah, that that is that's the way to go. But yeah, so the guitars are still blasting out, but the fact that it's just now chords for that bridge, yeah, it really opens it up and gives you a bit of tension you know, and release. Yeah, exactly. Well, release yeah, releasing from tension, you probably didn't realise it grown up to that point in the song yeah yeah well because the verses with that with that kind of riff and the tightness and the groove you know does build up the tension because there is very little release until the mm. well, even in the choruses that guitar is just going yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly you might think that's just me doing a silly noise but no that is that is how the guitars yeah. go the we don't chorus. need to put a clip in there you've just done it yeah, that's really it. well yeah that's pretty much all I've got for this one. We, I haven't got loads of notes for the for this album because, um, as you said before, it's yeah, sort should of we get that out of the way to... now that this is a really hard album to listen to and be analytical about? Yeah, not that it's you know it's not hard to listen to. Like sit down and put this album on, I think, mm-hmm. but to kind of really sit down and kind of go, oh well, this is doing that and this is doing this and all of that. It's just like, I don't like the word cacophony because people seem to think it's got a, a negative ring to it, but it kind of is a cacophony. Are you saying stuff. cacophony like Kevin Smith's Batman comic, which leads us back onto Justice League? 
leads us nicely on to track three vincent come on down or uh are we gonna do the telling out spelling it out with numbers thing throughout the whole thing i i, I don't know yeah. no no I'm, okay. I'm putting a pin in it here all right the the thing is with every song in this the title is spelled out using leet speak mm. so you can probably work out how you would spell vincent come on down in leet speak what is leet speak for those for those that uh just down to where Look it up. I'm not the internet. Yeah, so Vincent, come on down. Track mm. three. Yes, yeah, 90s alt-rock and grunge. Yeah. And yeah, that's one of the first fantastic distorted bass tone to open us up with on the drums, just doing their, I don't know what, what you'd call that. I don't know technical terms for drums. You know technical terms. You teach music. Drums. I can't I can't the drums, are the drums being, go, yeah. he's, he's hitting the drums with yes. sticks. Throughout this album, there's a lot of really good bass tones. Mm. Um, mm. They really, really nailed it. You seem to pick a lot of albums that do have awesome bass parts and tones. Yeah. It's because, funny, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like I play bass and I pick up on the good bass sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My albums just have chronic overplaying bass, but you've got the nice bass. That's, you know, what I, what I gravitate towards. <laughs> so, yeah, we get the distorted bass and drums at the beginning before getting these weird... Really harmonics? dissonant harmonics, yeah. yeah, coming in. And then he like really half-arsedly follows the bass line. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite like, technique when I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm just going to play some of the notes that you do. <laughs> wow, and, and then just make awesome. scratchy noises the rest that? of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then people are going to think that I wrote it and you're just following me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and what I call the woo-ee-oo synth. The woo-ee-oo. Yeah, it's like, woo-ee-oo, oh, okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a, it's just synth and not him just going woo. <laughs> with, it could be. The amount of effects he has on his voice throughout this, oh, throughout yeah. this song. It's mental, um, yeah, yeah. It could definitely be. So that comes in, verse kicks in, and we have the megaphone voice because it's the yes. 90s. We have slight megaphone voice going Love on. It's not super voice. megaphone yeah. voice, but it is definitely megaphone voice. Not much changes instrumentation-wise. You get your chorus, it gets a little bit more space in the chorus. This is the chorus the come on down. The chorus is where his voice goes really weird. He's like, I don't think you can tell me the things that I want you to. Was that Barry Gibb? Have you got Barry Gibb in your house? You know, I keep him, on keep him in the cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you needed an impromptu falsetto, he's there. Yeah. There is, there is quite a lot of that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is quite a lot of the old gib actually in this. Oh, you can you can guarantee that I'm I'm doing a callback. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of weird effects going on with his vocals throughout this one. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't even know what what effect they put on his voice for the chorus. But the chorus is basically just drums, the voice, and weird Tom Morello sounds I've put uh, with like the guitar and the bass just sort of punctuating the beginning of the bar. Wait for it. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. It's. I mean, I don't think it is whammy because I think it's just his his uh, moog. It's a moog, Bob. Get over it. <laughs> is Bob Moog even still? Sorry, Bob Moog. So he's Bob Moog. Yeah. Um, if if Bob Moog is dead, uh, I apologise to Bob Moog. Get over it, Moog Estate. It's Moog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so once again, we've got the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, middle eight, chorus, end thing going on. That's about all I've got really to say for this. We get a kind of a solo. Yeah, if I've, I've just that. put down guitar solo question mark. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it that. It's one of those. Well, I guess, like I was saying earlier, it just kind sort of ascends chromatically, and then you just get like a a screaming chord sort of thing going on. It's like and then, uh, more like an interlude. Yeah, almost like an interlude leading into the the actual interlude of just drums and vocals and the gang vocals. gang vocals. Yeah, two, four, six, eight. Tell me who I'm supposed to hate. Yeah. I like it, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. They started with a 2468 and I was thinking they're going to go put down the, you know, who do we appreciate? But No, no, no. no. This, is, uh, this is angry stuff. I know, who, I like it. But it's also pointing out, it's like, ah, oh, who's the next person that we have to move on to hate or something like that? I don't, didn't use genius for this one. I I didn't think there would probably be as much meaning in the lyrics as... Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, so... It's a good time, good time to point out that uh, friends of the show, ex-friends of the show, Genius.com seriously let us down this week. <laughs> because I think there was there was one comment on the whole album and that was it. Was that on the Volga trade? Uh, no, that was on the Steve Albini song. Ah, yeah, that's yeah. the popular one. Mm, uh. mm. So... <laughs> And it, and it yeah. was literally nothing, just something like, this comes from the album Hissing Prigs and Static Couture or whatever. Like it was We know, so it says. Yeah, I know. It literally says. <laughs> so you've, you've let me down. And then I went on to our, our new friends of the show, lyricinterpretations.com, and they had nothing. They didn't even have anything on Brainiac at all. No. Couldn't that's the thing. It. They were poised, I think, for mainstream success. And then mm. obviously Tim Taylor died. Mm. And... Mainstream. I mean, they've all gone on to be relatively successful still, I think, within the industry. I think Monasterio does, like, music videos now. Oh, okay. And Schmerzel still, I think he still plays in a few bands that do, you know. He sounds like a German footballer. Sorry? Sounds like a German footballer. You're thinking of Schmerzel. Yeah. I don't know what Tyler Trent's up to these days, probably still drumming. Yeah, and then, as normal, we get the chorus to see us out. I don't think there's a single fade out on this album. All right. You know, they got they let Barry in to do some vocals, but then uh, <laughs> it's like, no, nah, Barry, we're not doing a fade hey out. Hey, guys, nah. do you think we could do a fade out? That's Michael McDonald, isn't <laughs> oh, it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to, I was just trying to do my, my best Barry Gibb there, yeah. I think you spent so many years doing the Michael McDonald impression as the falsetto voice that... Uh, <laughs> oh, you. Let's talk about some music. This little piggy. Another quite quite good riff. Quite 
quite a simple one. Good riff, but the drums match the riff rhythmically. Yeah. Then that works really, really well. That kind of just highlights the riff more. Mm. Um, so the bit of riff just kind of keeps going throughout the verse, except from the bass. So the bass starts playing the riff, and then he decides to follow the vocal line, except from when he doesn't follow the vocal line. Uh, <laughs> mostly most, he does. The most Jake playing I've ever heard, really. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do this. No, I'm not. Change it up. It's like, okay, I'll follow you for a bit. Uh, I'm sneaking, yeah. sneakily, I'm not going to follow you, though. <laughs> 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 Pretty much. Uh, there's also interesting choice of accompaniment for the vocals in the form of a weird computer. Because no man is Tim Taylor's equal and he will have no one singing alongside him. It sounds like one of the old text-to-speech things that you got in old Macs. You probably still get them in new ones, but um, you used to get them in the old Macs. You know, you had Microsoft Sam and yeah. then a Mac would have like 50 different voices you could pick from. Right. But right, I'm right. not sure if this album came out before that was a thing or not. I wouldn't be able to tell you. But I did used to have an old G3, but I don't know when the G3s came out. I think they were probably after this. The old G3 Max, and they had that. those text-to-speech yeah. things on them. Yeah, love the chorus in this one. It's very... Um, I'm not sure why, to be honest with you. It's not like a particularly impressive chorus. It's just something about it just makes me kind of go, Yeah! Yeah! This little piggy did go to market. I dig I can't win. You're right, Tim. <laughs> you could say that this this uh, chorus just makes you go. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Same as before. Rinse and repeat. First chorus. First chorus. And then we start getting into what I've dubbed nasty guitar central. <laughs> You get some really disjointed, dissonant... Stabby chords. Yeah, stabby chords. Like it. Uh, It's just really odd. Again, great panning on it. Yeah. You know, that whole idea, again, bringing it up, and I'll say it again and again and again throughout this episode, both guitars in both in separate ears playing separate things. Yeah. Whilst it Um, sounds like it's a... Kind of that's a bit much going on, and it kind of is a bit much going on. It's actually oddly quite satisfying. Yeah, yeah. I think the fact that they are so panned so hard as well, sort of definitely. Yeah, helps. yeah, yeah. And then you get like this really weird, out of time, just sort of play whatever you want, <laughs> uh, like it, don't they? Yeah, it's like yeah. just, just do whatever <laughs> you know. And then that leads really nicely back into the verse somehow. (laughs) I don't know. It's just like, just, I I don't know. I don't know how they did it because it is really off. And then it just comes back in 
perfectly. It's almost like they planned it. Like they planned it. Yeah. Which I know the way I've described all of that section makes it sound really rubbish and naff and that you shouldn't listen to it, but it really is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> really the, the quite... mystery of it actually makes it quite amazing. Yeah, it just it just works. Once again, we get another chorus and then uh, and then it's it. That's it. Bye. So next up, Strung. I predict a riot. Could definitely have been. What? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds the intro. To this and I predict the right sound the same with that kind of like long drawn out note and the the digitized screaming yeah well of yeah. the damned yeah uh, <laughs> yeah I've just written not keen on the screaming but love the guitars this <laughs> is um this could have been another micro song he spent twelve hours on it they strung it out oh, for two minutes and eleven seconds no, hey, yes I did oh. oh so there's not a lot to this song there's a fuzzy bass. A uh, weird digitized screaming, a weird tremoloed synth thing that's panning around from ear mm-hmm. to ear in the background, and a guitar that does a noise. Um. <laughs> <laughs> a guitar that does a noise. Uh, yeah, I wasn't really too sure what, what you'd describe that as, but it's a very ambient kind of song. It Once again, very granddaddy. Yeah, they, we're back to the sweet singing. We've got to the nice sweet vocals in there. It's true, yeah. Yeah. I actually quite like this song, and I think I almost wish they had have explored this kind of ambient, almost shoegaze a bit more. Mm. I mean, they strung this track out in particular, but they I wish they had have, you know, done Done an album of that kind of long, drawn out. Yeah. Was it Mogwai, Godspeed sort of? Yeah, that that kind of post-rock thing. Exactly. But then, yeah, I'm getting some serious kind of, Batman vibes, 89 Batman. Yeah, kind of. I can see that. Yeah. Oh, Danny Oakland. Actually, that's funny enough. That's kind of uh, not that Batman, but the guitar very much reminds me of uh, another Batman. Batman Forever. The guitar, Some of the guitar lines in Hold Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, Thrill Me, yeah. some parts of it have that very similar guitar sound. Obviously, Batman there's no drums in this one, one either. One of my favorite Batman. I, I always rated Val Kilmore as Batman. I thought Val Kilmore did a pretty good job. Mm. Yeah. I thought Apart it was from fine. he had the whole like bat suit that couldn't turn his neck as well. So there's this bit where he like turns to Robin in the in the bat wing and has to turn his whole body and it's just look it doesn't look very natural. Yeah, just don't turn. And he does the big thumbs up. And it's just like Batman doesn't do the thumbs up, man. What are you doing? They saw it worked in Terminator. So uh <laughs> yeah, fair, fair point. Batman's yeah. basically the Terminator. Yeah. You know. Moving on then, so much like the uh, last nice soft song that we had, mm. the very first song, is that was a bit of a palate cleanser, really, that one. And then yeah. it leads you into Hot Seat Can't Sit Down, mm. where he's back to shouting and <laughs> possibly yeah. the best riff in the album. I've just written awesome riff. Yep. It's like maybe the best riff. Obviously, they're doing that very panned... Mm. One mm-hmm. guitar doing horrible, nasty, screamy chords and the other one doing the riff and it's just 
works nicely. Yeah. Well, can I take a moment on that then? So this yeah. is where I've written down what I wanted to say. When you're writing guitar parts, and it took me a long time to realize this, I always thought if you have two guitars that play the same exact thing, it's just going to sound chunkier and it's going to sound better. But you actually can. Well, it, it can, but not They have not to be very different guitar sounds, don't they? Yeah, You'd have exactly. to have one which would be more mid-focused and one that would be more sort of trebly and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I just, well, in let's put it into our Fourth Avenue hip-hop where we're both playing strats through Fender amps <laughs> and we're trying to do the same thing. You know, it just, yeah. It didn't, it didn't quite work, and I've, it took us a while to actually understand the concept of playing two separate things. Having the guitars, if you've got two guitars, playing two separate things can make it sound absolutely massive. Mm. You know, and yeah. yeah. and they can be similar. Yeah, yeah. They say having them be very similar is, is a great way of, of you know, doing that. Mm. Well, it's, yeah. it's like the Midnight Oil strummy acoustic guitar thing where one of them is slightly behind the beat the other one's slightly in front mm. of the beat the way that they mixed it makes it sound like there's only one guitar being played but yeah. it sounds like a big badass guitar mm. yeah but that would also fall into yeah different sounding mm. you know differently voiced instruments playing the same thing mm. and then yeah the actual performance is, is off but but they've not done that they've, they've just played some different things going yeah. on and it's just it's just great. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they've done another thing I very much enjoy where you just have uh, in the verse, the guitar just stays on one chord and everything else changes around that chord. <laughs> Fairly standard chord progression, but mm. um, just staying on that one chord adds a little bit of, you know, like, ooh. A little bit of know, pizzazz. Little, little bit of pizzazz, maybe a little, yeah. little pinch of cayenne. To it, you know, it's not a full blown, full blown, you know, spicy, nasty no. thing, but it's got a little, little, little kick to it. Yeah, yeah. Schmerzel nearly, he nearly manages to have just a straightforward guitar part with no weird notes in it. In this one, he so <laughs> nearly does it. Are you talking about the bridge? No, no, I'm talking about the verse. Oh, okay. Like if you listen to the actual line itself, it's relatively. Um, Diatonic. When it's just like, yeah, well, there's just like one note in it. It's just like, he just hits like this weird, <laughs> like, it's like he's played it with the, um, like he's thrown the fourth in there or something like yeah. that, along with the root that he'd be playing. And it's just a bit, like, it's fine. It doesn't sound horrible. It's just like, you, you nearly did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he just slips it in there. Once again, same structure we've come to know and love. You know, mm. if it ain't broke, don't fix it sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Chorus-wise, I didn't actually put any notes for the chorus on this one. It's there. It's a thing. It's <laughs> just more of, more. there's not much changes instrumentation-wise. Guitars are just, it's one of the guitar albums, it is quite relentless, you know. There are yeah. sections, obviously, where things drop down and bits and but for the most part, it's just like, right, the verse and the chorus isn't differentiated dynamically it's purely in what we're playing. I think that's why I like Strung so much because it was the first one where you had a chance to breathe almost. Since the very first track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you, listening to the first track, it kind of uh, tricks you a little bit. into. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is another one where you get the two guitars doing like a really off-sounding build-up. 
the bridge, they're doing like a, well, not, not an exact ripoff. I'm not trying to claim that, but they're doing a bit of a Hotel California triplets harmony line. Yeah, I hadn't even picked up on that, but um, yeah, they've snuck in. Well, they didn't really sneak it in. They just put in a very disjointed, but they repeat it. And as friend of the show, please be my friend, Adam. Adam Neely likes to say, repetition legitimizes. So if you keep playing something that sounds horrible and nasty, eventually your ear is forced to accept the fact that it's not horrible and nasty. And that's actually how it's supposed to sound, which is basically how you get into jazz. Basically, you you listen to it and you kind of go, oh my God, what are they doing? And then you keep listening Mm. to it and you kind of go, yes. And then you go back to listening not to jazz and you kind of go, this now sounds boring. It's yeah. like they've taken yeah, the yeah. cayenne out, you know, yeah. and it's now yeah. just a plain old fried egg sandwich. And Can I write that down? What was it? Repetition legitimizes. Repetition legitimizes. I love that. That's, That's Adam Neely, funny enough, says it a lot. <laughs> um, okay. And because it's true. It is absolutely yeah. true. Oh, yeah. Volker Trade. So actually, funny enough, according to friends of the show, former friends of the show, Genius.com, this sample, it's a sample, is based on a reading of a character Barabbas, Barabbas, I don't know, opening monologue out of Christopher Marlowe's play, The Jew of Malta. It's from the first act. It was written about 1590. Wow. There's not a lot to this one. You get a, um, you get some percussion and you get a nasty synth and that's about it. <laughs> Jesse. Yeah, I, I've got two notes. I'm getting King Crimson vibes off this. Ooh. Namely, the sheltering sky. Just probably because of the kind of mm. hand percussion. I can see that. Loop. Yeah, yeah. And then is this the choo-choo moment? <laughs> that's that's I, the thing. Where I just, don't think yeah. they spent three weeks working out any of the sounds <laughs> on this. You know. No? Uh, no? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe they did. Maybe they really agonized over which passage passage they were going to use from that play. But um, mm. I, I don't think it took them three weeks to do any of this album. No. Um, the album Fair probably enough. took yeah. about three weeks. This is our second micro song. It's the longest of the three micro songs at one minute and 45 seconds. And then that leads us, that, and that's it. That's it. It's just a guy reading a passage from a play with some ambient sounds going on. Beekeeper's Maxim is really unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> what a segue. Yeah. I don't really have a lot to say about this one. I say it's quite unsettling, but I get a bit of white limo syndrome with this one. So I normally just skip this to go to the next song. I've got, um, we've got that kind of megaphone radio voice again. Mm. And it's creepy. Yeah. Yep. Unsettling. (laughs) 
So Kiss Me You Jacked Up Jerk. If you thought other songs were Pixies-esque, oh Lord, this is like <laughs> peak early Pixies. It's, it just oozes Pixies. You get the clave in the verse, which I think just makes it. Like if that wasn't yeah. in there, that would be, it'd be fine. But that little, that little clave just really makes it. Weirdness going on with the vocals. Like once again, there's an odd effects on it. He's got some uh, accents going on. Just generally, it's just generally odd spoken word more than it's it's sung. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure at some point Cartman's Jennifer Lopez is featured. Kiss me, you jerk. Oh, okay. <laughs> if, you're, if you remember uh, Cartman's Jennifer Lopez, when he had Jennifer Lopez on his hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, right. Taco, taco. Yeah, yeah. Taco, taco. I love the, the lyric, psychotic Japanese chihuahua. 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 Yeah. <laughs> But I think it's followed up with some very questionable accents when they uh, start repeating Chihuahua. Do you, I, I actually looked up the lyrics for this one. It's it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. Yeah. It's basically, he's just weird man. Weird yeah. man, Tim Taylor. When I listened to this one, I actually decided that this one's probably actually got my favourite riff on the album on it. I know I said Hot Seat Can't Sit Down is probably the best riff, but my favourite riff is uh, in the breakdown. Okay. Just before he breaks into the Cartman voice. Tackle, <laughs> tackle. Uh, I think, you know, what really makes it over the top is the uh, incomprehensible hyperactive screams going on uh, during that guitar riff, I think, just really... I've put down... I'm I'm not so not so sure about the high pitch vocal. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> kind of took me out of the song a bit. I'm not going to go through the structure. You know the structure. It's uh, <laughs> say it with me now. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. <laughs> it would be a lot cooler if you did though. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's the same. It's it's the formula. It's the patented brainiac formula of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, end. Other than the micro songs, is there actually any song that doesn't follow that formula on this album? I was going to say, can you let me guess the next song's uh, structure? Well, actually, funnily enough, the next song is the one that I've forgotten to make any notes for. This is one of those ones you sort of just have to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, yeah. It's just really... You're going to you're gonna have a fun time pulling all the clips for this one. Yeah, I think I am, yeah. to be honest it's with gonna you. It's going to be a bit of it's... a nightmare. This one, tell you what, Paul, just, we need to make some time up. So just play the song in its entirety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to get sued. We don't want to get sued. So I'll, I'll just quickly mention some bits that are worth listening to. Obviously, you've mentioned the psychotic Japanese chihuahua. 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 There's that one. I mean, the, the, it's a bit weird in that you get um, like really disjointed, just the guitars and bass doing like stabby. Before you get any kind of chorus with a vocal in it, mm. and the chorus once again is just very well the high pitched vocals, isn't it? It's very yeah high throughout this. There isn't really. It's just weird. <laughs> it's just weird. I'll let you talk about seventy kilogram man because I've got no, nothing, nothing. Okay, so seventy k nine man seventeen. I don't I don't see how the nine becomes a G, but 
because that's it's a lowercase g. Oh, the lowercase g. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. This sounds like another song, but I can't put my finger on which one. Like not, not by the band. It sounds like an actual song I've heard outside of this group. That's fair. This is another one where he's kind of got a weird spoken word vocal going on, isn't it? Yeah, so I said, actually, in this one, I quite like the dual vocals in this song. One's kind of croaky and the other one's a bit shouty, but it's panned. It's, it's quite cool. Mm. Yeah. Then that's all the notes I have for that one. <laughs> Once again, it's one of those weird ones where it's like, is it just a horribly distorted guitar or is it the Moog, Bob? <laughs> the brand is Moog. Moog. <laughs> it's like accept it move on I get it your name is Moog and I'm happy to call you Bob Moog because that sounds right but the brand is Moog we're nearly through this Indian Poker Part 2 mm. there is no part one our third and final and shortest micro song clocking in at an impressive 46 seconds long all I've got for this, other than that, is it's certainly some noises that I heard. <laughs> All you need to know is it's short and there is no part one. And so, it's from the 90s, so therefore it has its place on the album yeah, as the absolutely. short kind of bonus track. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, moving swiftly on, nothing ever changes. Would you like to talk a bit about this one? You mentioned this one earlier, I think. I've got a couple of notes. Talk about Steve. Yeah, so this is produced by Steve Albini. I find it weird that on an album, and these guys seem, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't know much about them, but they seem like the kind of band that are, are taking their art form very serious. So it does strike me as a bit strange that they have uh, Steve Albini come on to produce just one track. I'm wondering if it was going to be like a standalone single that they recorded with him or something. I'm wondering if they only had enough money for him to do one song. That would have been the label, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. So the label's given them all this money. They've spent most of it on the vocal effects. <laughs> They're like, oh, we didn't get a producer. Steve, can you do one song for us? How much is that going to cost? And he's like, well, it's going to be this much. Oh, okay. I, I like the song. I think mm. the groove on this song is really, really solid. Yeah. The bass playing is just phenomenal. Great bass playing on this song. Something that gets talked about a lot in guitar is obviously surf guitar tone. Mm. I think this has strong surf bass tone to it. Ooh, okay. uh, specifically surf bass punk, uh, surf punk bass. About, uh, like one, of the, one of the big, yeah, a bit like waves, but mm. I was thinking more like maybe Poly 6 or something like that. Okay. Like this has actually got strong Poly 6 vibes to it with the bass sound and the guitar and the synth, mm. actually. Mm. So just mm. change the vocals to hyperactive Japanese shouting and boom, you've got Poly 6. Well, whilst we're talking about the vocals, apparently they also had Barry Gibbon retainer for this song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I'm not going to do my, my impression of Barry Gibb because apparently that's more Michael McDonald than anything. <laughs> I'm a bit put out by that. A few other notes. So the synth sound on this, there's a um, there's little hand. Oh. The greatest crossover event in history, the most ambitious crossover event in history 
Michael McDonald recording tragedy. <laughs> oh, oh my Damn god! It, I should have said that in the episode. <laughs> yeah, the simp sound on this one uh, sounds very similar to um, this little handheld LCD game called Galaxy Invader One Thousand. And if any of you know what Galaxy Invader One Thousand is, well done, props to you. I looked it up. I like I've I've got well, my dad's got one. I've I've had it for ages, but I think I gave it back to him. I think we found it at a uh, down the tip, and I think we bought it from the tip for about fifty p. Nice. They go like without a box on eBay for about sixty five quid. If you got the box, it's about hundred. It's immediately very fun, but little crappy LCD game. It's obviously a lot of nostalgia for it. But anyway. The synth sounds very much like the bleeps and the blips that you would get in that little uh, LCD game. I absolutely love that in these episodes you are comparing, like you can hear something and be like, that was from this like, Way obscure <laughs> video game that I played when I was a kid. I just loved the. I can't, we, were, we were talking about one, and, and I had to go through and listen to like sixty-five songs to try and find one that sounded like one of the tracks we were doing. I can't remember what that was. That was early on. That was that was way before Paul and Alex came on to help. Mm. Yeah, but I remember li- having to listen to was it No Man's Land. I can't remember what it was, but I had to listen to like literally 65 songs from this soundtrack to try and find one that sounded like it might have actually been on the Ween episode. That's how far back it is. The fabled <laughs> Ween episode. Oh, Long damn, time ago. I, lo- I love that album so much. <laughs> we both should have put it higher. Oh, I love that it's album in, so much. It's in danger of being knocked out of our top tens. We might have to rejiggle the top tens to we put can't. Ween That's higher. That's the problem. Ween, like that, oh, that album is just so goddamn what if, good. What if? But it's on what, my bubble at the moment. If, what this, if, if I put if I put Brainiac into my top 10 today, it's going to knock out the mollusk. <laughs> what if we do the mollusk again? <laughs> we do like a revisited episode and we can put it really high. Like we, we can put it just at number one. Even though it's not going to be number one, it's there and we know it's safe. <laughs> Not a bad idea, actually, because I was wondering. <laughs> I was seriously wondering, and I was thinking, if the mollusk is currently at number 10, and we should save all this chat for when we talk about the top 10s, but if the mollusk is at number 10, it's got to be a pretty impressive album to go into the top 10, knocking the mollusk out. The thing is, there are less impressive albums on both of our top 10s. Probably, higher yeah. than the mollusk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no idea. Oh dear. Although the Phoenix Foundation's coming up, so we'll, we'll we revisit it and then we it's an excuse to make it yeah. to right the wrongs of the past. <laughs> you know, we can there have a go. do-over. Back to this song. Usual nasty guitar in the pre-verse. Mm-hmm. We've get some nice plinky muted notes going on for the second verse. It's actually one of the few times where there is a dynamic change. Just from verse to verse because there is no plinky muted notes in the first verse (laughs) ah once again this is another one where the chorus just sort of it's a big loud chorus people are making lots of noise there's three of them um (laughs) as is the way on this album they weren't pushing the boat out with structure on this one there's a bridge hold on is the structure the same as it always is same as it ever was 
Yes. Same as it ever was. And we get a keyboard solo on this one. We get like a weird Atari, like I said, the whole Galaxy Invader 1000 keyboard sound solo. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, having yeah. like a proper full-on Keith Emerson style solo in there wouldn't have worked. Speaking of Keith Emerson, I heard it was an anniversary of his death a couple of a couple of days ago. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, we should, do, uh, we should do an Emerson, Lake and Palmer album. No, we shouldn't do an Emerson. I can't bring myself to do an Emerson, Lake and Palmer <laughs> album. You just want to listen to Fanfare of the Common Man. That's it. Was that on an album or was that I just like a standalone know, for the Olympics? I remember you trying to get me way into that. Because it's a great song. It is, but, you know, the original. But anyway, anyway. you know, he uh, he killed himself because he he had developed such bad kind of... He couldn't play anymore, yeah. Nerve, nerve damage in his hands that he couldn't play anymore. Tragic. That's like Shakespearean level tragedy. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry, that's that a bit of a downer. I've, I've well, dropped, the, dropped the mood of the episode here, Jake. Dropped the mood dropped right the on right on the last song as well. I am a cracked machine. Cracked. 13, the longest song on the album, clocking in at a whopping four minutes and 34 seconds. Wow, so long. That's longer than all three of the micro songs combined. I'm pretty sure, yeah, when I was doing the Midnight Oil drum solo and you were complaining about the length of that, I think the drum solo was longer. (laughs) I think it was. (laughs) Yeah. We were talking last week when we talked about Cake about a song that starts with just the vocals. And this is one of them. I'm a cracked machine. I am a guy wild hussy. I am your favorite DJ. This one's a little bit less pleasant than that one. It's like full on ring mod shouting. It sounds it's like, like you're he's... calling me on dial up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of is. And it sounds like he's kind of like complaining about robotic DJs. So, like, is it a dig at Daft Punk? I don't know. Do you know, it's, it's been interesting to hear the the kind of reception of Daft Punk announcing that they're, they're oh, yeah. splitting up. It's a like lot they of people haven't released are like, anything well, good. in what, eight years? I hate Daft Punk. And it's like, oh, okay. Jeez, no, no, I didn't, like, didn't think what? they were that polarizing. Yeah. They're not that polarizing. I mean, there's, there's arguments to be made that they just kind of. The samples they used, they didn't actually do anything transformative with them. They're, they're, I've seen people make that argument, and that's mm. I'd say that's fair enough. But it's like, well, what's the surprise? They haven't done anything in nearly 10 years. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, well, they're either going to break up or they're just going to, you know, release people a People have been album. claiming that the Tron soundtrack wasn't actually Daft Punk. Have they? That a lot of it was actually replaced. A lot of what Daft Punk submitted wasn't actually used. Oh. And instead it was replaced by a composer, apparently. Yeah, well, I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Doesn't matter because it was a really good soundtrack, so who cares? Great soundtrack, fairly poor film. Yeah. You know? There we go. We've got yeah. like, we've had like three reviews in this review. We've had a, a Zack Schneider Justice League review. Yeah. We've now reviewed Tron. Well, we've yeah. just reviewed the Tron soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. And we're doing this album. Yeah. So I'm a cracked machine. So yeah, starts just the vocals. 
Boy, yes, it starts with just vocals. They are uh, leaning big into the being a machine thing on this one. Drums as well, quite mechanical, mm-hmm. uh, uh, quite industrial feel, feeling. And I don't mean as in like industrial, you know, Ramstein music. Ramstein. I mean as in like, I mean like a factory. Ooh. It's like if you were in, if you were in an industrial level, like a factory level in a video game, yeah. those drums would fit right in and go with like clanking noises and stuff. Some actually some quite good guitar riffs on this one as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. proper good riffs. For and then the song kicks in properly, and we actually get some music. Because I, I wouldn't call that intro particularly musical, in a traditional sense of yeah. there being you know music. Yeah, bass tone again, absolutely brilliant. That mono stereo, he knows what he's doing. Mono, yeah, he, he knew how to dial in a good sound, or at the very yeah. least, the producer did. Somebody yeah. working on this album Somebody. knew how to get a good yeah. sound. Gets, you know, just the right amount of punch, sits in, and in terms of structure, it's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, end. Mm. Except it's stretched out over four yeah. and a half minutes. <laughs> yep. There you go. That's and there, that's it. What have you got to say? Oh, only one note for this one. I like the the hits. It shows how tight the group were. Oh, like the yeah, where they're all doing the kind of rhythmic da da da. Yeah, hits. I think that that was good. Yeah, I especially like the bit where it morphs into the uh, Terminator theme. You know, da 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 da. Yeah, really beautifully snuck in there. Um, and the fact yeah. they got away with it for so long is really quite impressive, to be honest with you. Obviously, yeah. if they'd snuck in something by Marvin Gaye. Oh, don't, don't get them it. started. But, but Terminator, yeah, they just got yeah. away with it. Yeah. All right. Well, quick one today then. Very quick. We've come to the questions. Um, All right. So, Stefan, favorite track? I think my favorite track is Nothing Ever Changes, actually. I think it was a toss up. I did like Strung, you know, just yeah. again because it was that nice breather. But I think ultimately it came down to. It just being a nice breather, not necessarily a great track. That's fair. So nothing ever changes for me, Jake. Very nice, very nice. Mine's probably going to be Vincent Come On Down, just because it was the one on the train that got me into it, and it's catchy as heck, you know? Yep. And it's great. So who, obviously we've thrown out a few bands, uh, you know, and vibes and Mm. things today, Mm. but who would you like to hear covering what? Well, I had written down the Bee Gees, doing a modern cover of <laughs> Nothing Ever Changes. <laughs> but I'd actually not like to hear now a duet of With Michael McDonald and Barry Gibb. <laughs> and Barry Gibb doing Nothing Ever Changes, yeah. To be honest, they could they could do whatever duet they wanted. You know? that would, yeah, that would be amazing, yeah. No, I'd quite like to hear Barry Gibb and Michael McDonald doing A Whole New World. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, I'll take it back. I think that is the uh, the crossover event of the year. <laughs> you know they're going to be fighting over Jasmine's part as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Whoever whoever sings Aladdin is uh, that's the that's the short straw for them. <laughs> so we're going so you're going for Barry Gibb doing uh Yeah, Barry Gibb and and Michael McDonald, nothing ever changes. How about yourself? Well, it's too obvious to suggest the Pixies for any of any of it. Obviously I mentioned Kill Canada earlier for Hot Seat can't sit down. Problem is they're a free piece so you'd miss out on one of the guitars. And you need to have both the guitars in that song for it to to work. What about so? What when, I'd like to what hear. What are they? Kill Canada. Kill Canada. No, but so what about in, Kill Canada and Tom Morello? Yeah, maybe <laughs> Fe- Kill Canada featuring Tom Morello. 
Yeah, uh, on I'm the pretty whammy. sure Kilkenada would like that too. I think they probably would. No, what I what I've put down is I'd like to hear the B52s do pussyfooting. Ooh, I think nice. that they would absolutely kill it. They have those kind of angular guitar riffs as well. They do. They like absolutely do. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should do a uh, we should do a B52s album. Well, here's the problem though, because uh, I'm going to recommend gonna do... it, and you're not. <laughs> no, if we're going to do B52s, it, for me, it's got to be Cosmic Thing. That Not is me, one of the greatest albums ever, ever done. Full well, there stop, we go. We na- we've now we're up to five reviews within this review. Uh, yeah. Cosmic Thing by the B-52s people. Oh, Cosmic Thing, it was produced by Nile Rogers and I think Don Was, oh, nice. who we talked about on the Blake Mills episode. Yeah. And it was like co-producer. They basically split the songs. And it's one of those times, just like with U2, which actually I need to talk to you about U2 in a minute. <laughs> because it's like one of the only times where you've got like multiple producers that actually pr- put out a fairly coherent album. Mm. Unlike this one, like like we said, where like the Steve Albini track kind of screams out Steve Albini. Yeah. And it's a bit weird to just have the one track produced by someone else. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Our friend of the show, Graham from Tokyo Police Club, wants to do a, a U2 episode. Because oh. he was, he's started doing like little mini reviews on his Instagram account. They're hilarious. His Instagram name is Righteous, spelt as in W R I T, because that's his last name, Graham Wright. I get it. Yeah. And so I was having a chat with him about it, and he said, "Well, man, we should just do it." And I said, "I don't think Jake's that into you too." And he said, "Flip him. He doesn't matter. He can just sit this one out. I'll replace him." <laughs> <laughs> hey, man! If he wants to do a special guest, it guest. depends on the album that you choose. Like, I think we were talking All You Can't Leave Behind, which is like Elevation, Tomb Raider. Oh, know. wow. So, yeah, yeah. like, Beautiful Day. Yeah. Fair enough. I was thinking yeah. the album that they forced everyone to have on uh, <laughs> iTunes, but. Just so you can sit there and force your opinion back on them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we don't have nice things, Jake. I'm going to email it to Bono every day. <laughs> Until he goes through this really convoluted way of getting it removed, mm. you know, of getting me to stop. Well, um, see, I don't actually think, ironically, I think it's Bono. Bono wouldn't care. He doesn't actually have much humanity left. It's the edge you need to get onto. <laughs> the edge has still got a heart. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So we discussed this briefly earlier then. So top tens. Now, it would knock out the mollusk. So I would absolutely understand if you don't want to put this into your top ten. <laughs> Yeah, it's not going in there. I, <laughs> yeah. I, this is this is why we set up the top tens because you know it's taken us twenty nine episodes to get to this point, but now yes. we've got in tenth place like one of the greatest albums that we've studied. The greatest episode of a sound purchase is Ween's The Mollusk. Oh, it's the, the standard I am constantly seeking to get us back to is the the episode of The Mollusk. <laughs> so yeah, I mean. It's going to have to be a spectacular album. I'm building, building, building this up, but we know that next week it's going to change. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I am going to put it into my top 10. All right. Uh, And I'm going to put it quite high on my top 10, actually. It's going. Oh, okay. um, Because I don't want a repeat of The Mollusk, (laughs) where it uh, gets knocked out by albums that really I don't like as much. This is going to go in at number two. Oh my goodness. So it doesn't dethrone Angel Dust, but it does knock Discipline down for the first time since Angel Dust was done. Wow, which okay. Was, and we did Angel Dust. That was a long time ago. Like 15 episodes ago. 
Yeah, that was yeah, that was thirteen, number thirteen. We did that. Mm. I mean, Angel Dust was number one for a long time. Uh, not Angel Dust. Uh, Discipline was number one for a long time. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it was number one until we did Faith No More. <laughs> the history of your number ones has gone. Well, Foo Fighters, <laughs> Wasting Light, and then the next episode, Discipline, all the way number two to number thirteen was Angel Dust, and now number thirteen to twenty nine remains Angel Dust. Pretty good. So, final question then. Stefan, Brainiac's 1996 Hissing Prigs in Static Couture. Is it a sound purchase? Unlike other episodes that you've, you've taken the lead on in our, in our delicate dance here, I haven't actually looked up to see how much it would be, how much it would cost on, on vinyl, but yes, I'm, I'm going to say yes. I, I do really like this album. Again, That's a good high, high standard to try and beat the mollusk. They almost got there. They almost got there. What they were missing was some sort of 90s bonus song that was actually kind of funny. That's fair. Let me see if I can find like the vinyl. Hissing Prigs, vinyls, £21. Oh, that's not bad. That's, that's better than that's the Mollusk, about... which is like, you know, £60 or something crazy at the oh, moment. You can, you can get it for £17 from Hex Record Shop online. But don't do that. Get it from your local record shop. Oh, look at him go. Look at him go. He's Unless, of course, media they don't trained have that it. boy. Yeah. Unless Hex Records is your local shop. <laughs> yeah. In which case, go nuts. Go absolutely yeah. nuts. Hell, even if it's a, a, a corporate chain like HMV, you know, it's one of the few places you can actually go and buy records in person in most towns. So, you know. I don't, I don't support HMV. I spent a lot of money there when I first got here because that was the most exciting place in the world. You, spe- you bought a lot of Blu rays from HMV. You spent a lot of money on Blu-rays from there. But enough about this. I'm agreeing it is a sound purchase. It's not one of those instances where I put it high on the list and say it's not. Absolutely worth listening to, especially if you're, you say, much like me, you're into that sort of angular noise yeah. rock almost. It, it's Don't sort be of fooled like... by the first song, though. Hello, I'm Jake, and this was a sound purchase. A podcast is a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. This episode was put together using unknown voodoo rituals by producer Paul Lochran. You can show your appreciation for the episode when you like, review, share, and subscribe to us. Each engagement makes the efforts all the more worthwhile, and the best way to grow the podcast is, as ever, by word of mouth. Your support is greatly appreciated. Check the show notes and order gump at asoundpurchase.com. You can engage with us on social media under the handle soundpurchasepod. You can support us by buying all of our merch, t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, and things like that by going to asoundpurchase.com forward slash shop. Other episodes are available at all the good podcast places. Uh, Whilst you're here, become a friend of the show to gain access to lots of extra stuff. Bonus podcasts, blog posts, and the like. Join for free on asoundpurchase.com forward slash F-O-T-S. And as ever, if you've enjoyed this 